0: Welcome to the Halloween Unleashed
1: Podcast. Does your friend or family or even yourself own your own small business? Or do you work for a company that is constantly struggling with marketing and figuring out ways, trying to figure out how to keep the doors open, bring in more business, or simply just grow sales? Listen. I know finding the customers you need online can be overwhelming. The customers are out there, but what is the best way to reach them? It's not enough to just build a website and hope that they will come. If you're searching for a proven digital expert to help you find new customers, get existing customers to buy from you more often, Dotcom Media is here to help. Their team has years of experience and proven history of helping businesses fuel their growth through multiple channels and multiple strategies. They'll do all the hard work of attracting new customer leads for your business. Then you can focus on making your business extraordinary. If you would like a quick demonstration of all the different types of services that .com Media does, Go to dot hyphen dot com. That's dot hyphen And check out all of their services. And mention Halloween Unleashed when you're booking your appointment and receive 20% off any service. You can't lose. All right, everyone, listen up. If you're like me and suffer from a gluten allergy or your celiac, well, let me tell you. When I discovered that I was gluten intolerant, I thought that my days of just having a nice cold one after work were over. Well, let me tell you about a little beer called Red Bridge Beer. It is brewed in St. Louis, Missouri, by Anheuser-Busch. that does Bud Light, Budweiser, I mean, you, the, the list goes on and on. Bottom line is, it is an amber ale that is free of wheat and barley, red bridge beer is the best tasting gluten-free beer on the market and it's the most available so please go check out abc liquor or your local liquor store to ask about red bridge beer and try it out do yourself a favor drink beer again With Red Bridge Beer. This is the Halloween Unleashed Unleashed Podcast. podcast featuring the cutting room floor. And now, here are your hosts for the week. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Halloween Unleashed. I am your host, Chris Morgan. And this week, we are going to be going back into our interview series. But before we get to Marianne Hagen, we are going to air Marianne Singh uh, from Halloween 2018. And, um, she was a, a, a fantastic interview. Got to sit down with her for about an hour and, uh, do a little bit of a dive with her on her experience with David Gordon Green and just the overall set of Halloween 2018. Now, um, one of the things I was going to, I was going to put this comment out last week, uh, when the cutting room floor episode aired, um, but I didn't because I wanted to save it for this because I knew I was going to be recording a little bit of an intro. Uh, but I wanted to say that the Daniel Farrin's Part 5 interview, I I always go back and listen to what my co-host said, what I said, look for different ways where we can improve Um on our podcast going forward, I'm always looking for audio for ways we could have uh, better explained certain things. Sometimes I'm I'm saying things for entertainment purposes. So as my co-host, you know, a lot of times we do that. It's it it it's, it's a show. It's an entertainment based show. Um, why am I bringing all this this stuff up? Is over the last few months, um, as it's no secret at this point, I've become very close to to Marianne. And uh, the way Brandon and I were talking in that episode, it made it seem like we were downplaying her episode a little bit, or downplaying certain things, or I was implying certain things. I know that's how I read it, and if I read it that way, I know probably other people are are, are guessing that. I want to let each and every single one of you know and especially my friend Marianne know that a lot of times we were just being entertaining, we were just having fun. Um and I didn't explain things the best way that I could have. So I wanted to address a couple things. Now, when I talked about we want this to be the best. We want this episode her set of episodes to be the best. I didn't want that to become some sort of a competition-type thing between Dan and Mary Ann because they're two separate stories, two separate people. What I intended that to be is to be the best that it could be. Now, the reason I needed to re-record was not anything to do with my friend Mary Ann Hagen. It had nothing to do with her. It was all to do with me. Um, what I started to do was... I started to venture off of the the game plan a little bit of the questions I had asked um, just because of my friendship with her. and I was talking a lot. So the way I looked at it is is you guys are tuning in to hear her and hear her story, not hear me. That was number one. Number two, it was a blessing in disguise because number two, um, we had a lot of audio interference in her first uh, recording. I did not know this at the time. I was using a LED based light that is plugged into the same source that my computer is. And there was a little bit of a hum and it was causing almost like uh digital interference and we couldn't hear her very well. And that was on me. It was the first time I used LED lights when I was recording a podcast. I did not know we were going to have that much interference. I just knew that we were going to have to pick back up and uh, do this. And it was actually, you know, we both said, Hey, let's, um, let's get back together and finish this up. And that's exactly what happened. And um, it's actually a good thing. Like I said, because of the fact that um, there was a lot of an audio interference. So therefore, since this is an audio based podcast what is the number one rule you need good audio and if you don't have good audio especially for your um, guests then you run the risk of losing audience you run the risk of making your your guest or your co-host or whoever that is on your show you risk making them look bad and that's the last thing i want anybody to feel like that you got on this show and we made you look bad we want to make you look really, really, really good. So from that perspective, um, I wanted to fix things now about, we wanted this to be the best ever. Okay. I accidentally misspoke. What I really meant to be, uh, to say was I wanted these set of episodes to be the best that they can be. You know, everybody wants their, their, uh, either their role, their, their part, their, um, if you're a football player, your play to be the best that it absolutely possibly can be. So that's all I meant by it. I did not mean to try and make it into some sort of a competition because that's exactly what it's not. These are fun. These are for the fans. um, And um, we're able to get interviews that we normally would not get. So I want to make sure that, um, That I eliminated that because like I said if I picked up on it and I heard it and that's the way I took it and I'm the one that spoke it I'm wondering what anybody else did so um, she's never brought this up to me but I'm going to bring it up to her here on the air Marianne I have the utmost respect for you and what you've done Um, you've become one of my most favorite people to converse and talk to and you've become a very very dear friend to me and I appreciate you. Um same goes with with uh, Dan Farren's and um what he has meant to me over the years and what he's done for my career over the years. Um I just thank both of you for being part of this podcast for being part of what you're doing for the fans out there that have never heard stories like this before, it is really a breath of fresh air. And between both of you, we get two totally different perspectives, one from a writing standpoint, one from an actor standpoint. And I have to say, I I could listen to both of you tell stories for absolutely forever. Um, You're both that entertaining. Um, But most importantly, I want to say that both of you Uh, From the bottom of my heart, I believe that what makes those stories even more fun is the genuine people that you are, um, that I have gotten to know on a very personal level, and I love you both. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart, and um, your episodes, both of you, you absolutely knocked it out of the park, and I think anybody that has tuned in um, can absolutely attest to that. Now, um, I want to go ahead and touch on the poster situation. Marianne, as we speak, does have the posters. There's a total of 75 of them. Um, 25 of them have been accounted for that are um, personalized, and the rest of them are are still available these are first come first serve this is not a when we run out we're just going to print a bunch more once the 75 are gone they're gone if you don't jump in on her personalization now um, she's going to sign them all and I'm going to offer the rest of the of the posters that are out there uh, with just her her signature and that's going to be the end of it so if you want personalization from Kara Strode herself Uh, shoot me a quick message, you know? Um, and once again, these posters priced at the, the fair thing that we possibly could with her signing fee, with the shipping, which is a real thing. And with the print cost, which is a real thing. We're doing this as a limited base for all the fans and all the listeners out there that are not only fans of Halloween six, but Fans of her and that have supported her and uh, and the movie over the years, and we decided to do it in a very unique um, way that didn't feel um, rehashed or regurgitated. So, I want to thank you know, um, Ryan Hogel. Ryan didn't make it, didn't make a dime on it, didn't want to. He just said, I want to do this, I want to be part of this, this is what I want to do for you guys, and he did it. And so, For all those out there that think that the price is set for what the price is so that everybody can get a piece of the pie, that's not even the case. Um, It is very fairly priced. It's 11 by 17, high quality, um, and it's an original print that you won't get again. Once they're sold out, they are sold out. So, again, if you want a poster, shoot me a quick uh, direct message. Like I said, she has all the posters. There's still time for her to um, put your personalized message on there but time is running out because once she's done signing them them all they get back to me and then I start distributing them that's going to be it we're cutting it off and you're just going to get her signature and that's going to be the end of it so anyway enjoy this episode with Marian Singh and we will talk to each and every single one of you next week and thank you for tuning in to Halloween Unleashed this week We are continuing our interview series this week. We are lucky to sit down with the wonderful Marion Singh. Marion, how are you doing?
0: Oh, I'm just, if I was any happier, there have to be two of me.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, in some cases you are a stunt double. So there are two of you at, at, at some cases like Alyssa Milano. I know that you stunt doubled for her recently too, right?
0: Yes, I did. She is a really amazing mom. And she's a really sweet and nice person. She kind of adopted me when we were on set. Um, I had the, I had a, I was wearing a pink button down and they put fake nails on me like her. And so I'm not used to having nails and we have to make sure that our sleeves are cuffed the same amount of times and that the same number of buttons are done up and all of that. And I was having a hard time with my buttons and my cuffs and she did them for me. She came up to me and she's like, oh honey, let me do it. And she did my buttons. She did my cuffs. It was amazing. And, um, and when we were done with the episodes uh, at the end of the season, I said, thank you so much, dear lady. It was such an honor being you. And she said, it was such an honor to have you be me. So it was great. She's, she's really nice.
1: Well, I have to say, it's like, I, I remember when you were leading up, um, posting about like this, this project that you were involved in, you were posting little pictures, um, about that, and I was looking at some of the pictures, I'm like, I have no idea what this is, but you looked amazing, but then all of a <laughs> sudden when you said that, you came out with it, who who you're going to be doubling for, and I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, I totally see it, I mean, they they picked a really good person to double her, because when you two are dressed up alike like that, I mean, you both look kind of like sisters, and it's, it's really... You know,
0: it was really funny, because when we were on set, I practiced... Whenever I double, I practice their walk, I practice the way they move, their gestures with their hands, their mannerisms and all of this. And at, by the time the season was over, the, the makeup artists and stuff would walk up to me and like, ah, I thought you were her, sorry. And then they'll go and find her. So it was really a lot of fun. And I absolutely love walking in somebody else's shoes, so to speak. It was, it was really an honor to double her. And I hope to do it again on future projects.
1: Well... You know, it it seems like that you two had a nice little bond, and I'm sure she will probably request you in the future if she has any say on anything. So, uh, looking forward to that. So, tell us um, a little bit about you, where you grew up, and when you got started in the business.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay, back in my day. No, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I started. I've been on stage since I was four years old. I began in playgroups and singing and dancing and and things of that nature um, for old folks' homes and stuff when I was very very young. About you know, at about six, I started performing in public, and uh, we would be singing. I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. Go Vols! Um, But I, I, you know, mom's from Canada, dad's from Wisconsin. So no accent for me, unless, of course, I need plumbing or electrical work. And then I'll put that thing on real quick. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Um, So that's where I began. And uh, I was in theater. So doing theater and being able to project to the back row is very different than being in with a camera four inches from your face and having to pull everything back. Because if you think it, it shows up on camera. Mm -hmm. It's the intention of what you want to do that shows up on camera. So if you try, then you're overdoing it. I mean, that's, that's the number one problem when you have theatrical actors doing film or television is the pushing it, pushing your facial expressions, pushing your dialogue, things of that nature. So being in theater, I really had to retrain uh, myself to be able to do film and TV. But I also uh, went on tour with a couple of different bands and we almost got a couple of record deals. And that was fun um, right out of high school. I did that after uh, various high school things that happen in high school. But um, I got involved in, I play electric bass and I sing and I dance. We do choreography. And it was uh, just a, a great time of learning about performance in front of numbers of people. That brought that to me because in theater, you got lights in your face. You can't tell how many people are out there, and you can just be in your own little world. In a band situation, you have people screaming, reaching for you so close or they're so far or whatever, but you see lots of little people out there, and and it really hits you the kind of numbers that you're dealing with, and you have to wrap your mind around that and be okay. So that was really, really valuable experience to me, that and the touring aspect pack up, get in the van, go to the next location, set up, do the sound check, get a couple of hours to yourself, get ready, go and perform, break it down, load a van, go to the next location. I mean, it was really, truly a great, hard experience of the journey of learning stage presence and being around people who may want you to sign something or, or just want to ask you lots of questions and that was that was another aspect and another facet that prepared me for what was coming up. So I got involved in that and um, then it was uh, basically martial arts hit me like a ton of bricks at that point after the band. Um, I got involved in Northern Praying Mantis, Walam style, uh, Chinese martial arts and have been doing that for about 25 years. Uh, and I've taught as well as studied for, you know, after about 10 years, I was teaching with certification for my grandmaster and my teacher. And, um, I was teaching the students at my school after like two and a half years. So, because I was going six days a week and I couldn't get enough of it, I was so hooked on it. And I really, really got into something I didn't even know I was into. When I tried my first class I couldn't walk for three days. I was sore. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't... I, I just, I, and then I was going six days a week ever since for the next 20 years. I, I knew it was nuts. It was absolutely the best thing I've ever done. And that taught me that I may be interested in something I don't even know yet. You don't know that you need something in your life until you try it and you can't get enough of it. You want to eat it. You want to sleep it. You want to breathe it. You want to do everything involved with it. And so that was another performance aspect because you do tournaments then you teach and you have to choreograph and you have to, you know, do shows and master's exhibitions and all of these things. So when I did martial arts, then all of a sudden the choreography brought me to independent film. So I started doing fight choreography for independent films. And uh, when we, every year, we watch a final cast of the Oscars for the independent film scene and um, they said, Have you thought about Atlanta? And I was like, Well, no, but I guess I, I can. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, you got me thinking on it now. Yeah. So, yeah, they told me some web pages to get involved with on Facebook to try to break through into Atlanta. And um, that brought me to my first project. Uh, me and 1,500 of my best friends. Um, sure. <laughs> when you're. You know, when you're a background extra person, you kind of uh, are herded like cattle. But it's one of the most cool things to break, your, you know, to break into the business on. So you learn how to be on a set. You learn how to have etiquette and protocol when you're on that set. Mm-hmm. And you learn how it works. You learn the terminology involved. And you learn all these things. So my first project was J Two Hunger Games. Uh, you know, it was, it was, that was my first foray into uh, film. And, um, it was a scene where I was in a couple of scenes. It was when we were, when after snow was tied to the pillar at the end of the movie and, you know, Katniss is supposed to shoot him with the arrow and then spoiler alert. Oops. I'm not saying a word after this long. I probably am safe, but you know, I don't want to ruin anybody's idea. And then everybody charges snow and tears him apart. I was right with, I was right in front of the stunt people. And uh the stunt people's job was to keep the background extra people from running in and stampeding over the actors, the principal actors, and Donald Sutherland, who was chained to the pillar. And I created a wall with the stunt people and started talking to them. And it kind of got me interested. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool. And the other scene I was in was when they're going through town, trying to find shelter when um they're trying to get to the Capitol. And then the bombs hit and everybody starts, you know, explosions happen and people are running for the, for the Capitol. And I was in that scene again, right with the stunt people. And I mean, I don't know. I just started asking them questions and I started getting interested in what they do and how they do it. And being around, you know, stuff blowing up and feeling the concussion blasts from the pistols and rifles that were going off. I mean, it was really, really cool. And I thought, you know, I think I kind of like it. So uh, after I got into that, I, the, the casting company moved me straight into the next project, which was the sequel to Divergent, Insurgent. And um, but for that role, I wasn't just going to be a background extra person they said I had to go through a boot camp audition to try to get this special ability role that was, you know, really cool. And I didn't know, I mean, I had no idea and we didn't know how many people they had to go through to find us and to pick us. Right. So I go to the boot camp and I couldn't believe it. I made it through and I had a month of selling dates in that with the stunt team doing, you know, the kind of stuff that they were doing. And we were Eric's. Core 10 protection detail in the erudite, dauntless faction. Wow. So, yeah, that was great. My, my highlight on that was arresting Peter in the stables at Amity. And that was Miles Teller. He's a comedian, if there ever was one. And um, just that moment, and then... Running, I mean, I swear to God, Dauntless means running in another language because that's what we did. We just ran everywhere. We ran in a field trying to catch them. We ran through the forest trying to catch them. We ran up a hill trying to catch them. We ran on a rooftop trying to catch them. We ran down. It was all running. But um, that was another aspect where you see the stunt people and what they do. And at that point, I was hooked. I said, okay, this is it. I'm doing all this cool stuff and I think I want to become a member of Screen Actors Guild. I want to do stunts for real, for real, and I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to go for it. So at that point, I decided that I was going to get the vouchers required. You have to get union vouchers in order to join the union. So I decided to hunt down whatever productions were handing out union vouchers and to do stunt projects with other stunt people that are union projects, because then if you do a stunt or if you speak, then that is... All you need as a credit to join SAG, Screen Actors Guild. Mm-hmm. But what they don't tell you is if you only have those credits and that's all you have before you join Screen Actors Guild, you have nothing on your resume. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. like, oh, no. Exactly. Oh, no. And so that made me do other projects while I was also in search of, of the union card. I got my card in October of two thousand fifteen. Okay. And um at that point I started doing other projects like Pitch Perfect Three, Doom Patrol, you know, I did uh, a couple of episodes of the originals. I got dragged around by a werewolf. That was a lot of fun. Um wire work, getting shot, fall down, get impaled on a spike. I mean, I die for a living. It's great.
1: <laughs> You're like a cat, you have nine lives, so <laughs>
0: Hey, I hope so. You know, I yeah, sure.
1: Well, it, it's, you know, your your career, I mean, you said that you got your SAG card in 2015. Obviously, you had quite the journey, which we just covered, but, you know, this takes a long, usually a long, very long process to really get ingrained into that culture and that environment, and it's all about networking, and I, I gotta say, I, I'm not surprised that you've gotten as far as you have in just as little as five years within SAG, because, if anyone that's listening to this has ever looked at your Facebook page, your, your personality comes off in every post and every picture and you, ha- you are a ball of energy and it, yeah. it shows in your pictures. And I mean that as a compliment because talking to you, I'm like, yeah, this matches the person I've been following on Facebook for the last year and a half, two years. So – You know,
0: that is – That is really funny that you say that, because whenever, uh, like after I did the Dave McRae interview, um, I I swear people that, you know, I got all of a sudden people were friending me on Facebook and all of this stuff. And I was like, well, hi, you really want to friend? Really? You want to be, you want to be my Facebook friend? Really? Um, And everybody that has either gotten to chat with me or anything like that, they're like, oh my gosh, you just stay you. You don't change into somebody else. You're still you. And I'm like, well, yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> That's the way it should be, yeah. Yeah, it's rare, but
0: I mean, in, in certain cases, there are a lot of people that do stay the same, but some people, unfortunately, you know, there's always going to be that small percentage of the reason why they say, you don't want to meet your heroes, you don't want to meet your idols, you don't want to meet people that you respect in person when it comes to show business, because some of them, you know, some of them are a little different. They have eccentricities. They have things going on in their world that we don't know about, and they may not be able to be the person you want them to be oh, whenever absolutely. you want them to be that.
1: Yep. No. I 100. Um. I grew up, and I'm going to tell this story, um, to you because I, I, I people that are, that that have been listening to the show that have have heard or that have known me a long time have heard this story. And, um, I met my hero and, uh, someone that you were kind of intertwined with John Carpenter. Uh, um, yes. Yes. Yeah, he, he's what made me want to become a horror director and everything. I mean, Halloween was my first movie. Um, Aww. and, and it was like, I, I, I got into the masks and all this stuff and, I made a few films Went and he, his very first uh, convention that he ever did, um, I don't think he was feeling well that weekend because he, I saw him a few years later at a different convention, totally different guy, but his first one, he was probably nervous, probably wasn't feeling well, but I will never forget because I'm, I'm standing in line, I'm like, okay, I'm going to meet my hero for the first time, don't be a fanboy you know that's the <laughs> one. just be real just be yourself but in my mind this is John Carpenter I'm walking up to so by the time it got to my 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 point I had four of my masks that I was going to have him sign and I went up and I totally just went fanboy you know? <laughs> and the one thing you don't want to do and he was going to go sign the mask on the outside of the mask and I said do you mind if you sign it on the inside because it's not done yet? And he says, don't tell me how to sign your fucking mask. And I froze. I'm like, oh shit, what do I do? You know? And at that point I was like, well, let me save this. And I, I, I switched gears and I said, I really wish you would have did Halloween H2O. And he's like, I didn't want to do H2O. I was busy. And I was like, okay, all right. So this is going to hell in a handbasket quick but a few years later my my good friend was like i'm gonna meet tommy lee wallace and john carpenter and uh i was like i did that a few years ago i, I just don't want to do it again but he's over there yucking it up with them and i'm so i walk over and i introduce myself and total totally different guy you know so yeah. But that first experience, it really scared me. I was like, man, I don't ever want to meet another one of my heroes ever again, because that was, oh my gosh, it crushed me. So
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. it's always that first impression with the person that means so much and you've come so far and they were your inspiration and then you meet them if they're having an off day or if they're overwhelmed or if they're they're just worn out because they've, they've gone through 100 or 200 other people in line before you or whatever. It's really hard to be what you want them to be all the time. It really gets to the point where you want to have everybody that meets you have the best experience possible. And sometimes you're going to have a sucky day, you know, or something's not going to go right, or you're going to get some bad news from home or something. And, and it hits you. And that's when you have to make a decision. Sure. You have to, you know, and and it's, it's really those times that mean everything to people who have waited so long. You know, you, you've, you've, geared everything your hobbies your your masks your everything and halloween you're interested in halloween and the franchise into this one opportunity you didn't know you'd have another opportunity to meet him and you were afraid to have another opportunity yeah. but when you do meet somebody more than once it will smooth things out it'll come out in the averages and you'll say oh They were having a weird day or something like that and and i'm so glad i met them again
1: yeah no it's it's even funnier because um what was even harder for me is most of my friends that weekend that had met them see i i was running a booth uh that weekend and i was like well i can't get there until the last day because usually the last day of a convention is just dead there's nothing going on people are doing last minute stuff just trying to get out of there because they've been partying all weekend and I was like, Well, I'm gonna i I'm gonna save this for the last day when I know that sales are gonna be pretty much done and I can get over there and I can leave the booth. Anyway, um but all weekend all of my friends were like, Oh, he's the nicest guy, he's a sweetheart.
0: No, and then no. when that happened
1: I was like did no. I not put on deodorant today? Did I have no. a pimple on my nose? You know what? What was it? You know, so no. I I was the one that, that drew the sh- the the short card that weekend, I guess. So um, it's all good, but um, but
0: I, then I, you yeah. met him again.
1: Yeah, I and mean, he it was, was great. It was brief, though. It was very brief because I wanted it to be brief. But totally mm-hmm. different guy, you know. And yep. um, I I gotta say, um, I I be, before we scheduled this interview. I got to tell you what's on my watch list is I have your show shattered on my watch list.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah. That's actually a, um, that's actually a proof of concept. It's not finished. It's rough draft. It mm-hmm. is for viewing parties who are interested in the concept. So the editing is loose. The soundtrack is loose. It's all just placeholders. Um, But I, I, I do hope that uh, – and, oh, and the sound and the editing. Uh, it's all just basically to get it in front of investors' eyes to mm-hmm. see if they would be interested in picking up the series. Sure. So, um, but I got a really good chance to uh, expand and show more of my range in those three episodes. The, uh, the first episode, I'll play the worst talk therapist you have ever met in your entire life. You would never go to this talk therapist Ever. She, every, you know, it's like she is only doing her time. She's punched a clock. Her home life sucks. And she's just basically, you know, dealing with crazy people all day and she can't stand it. So that was an interesting role to play because I care. <laughs> no, anyway. Um, but in the second episode, I am an, a protective sister and I'm a lawyer. So I get to, um, I get to play that kind of nurturing role and protective role. And there's a little comedic uh, aspect in there as well, because um, the Shattered series is about things that actually happened in the news, in real life, and it is a central cast, and we all get to play different roles in each episode. It's kind of like American Horror Story. So, you know, we, it's always the same actors. But it is different roles, so we each get to stretch our wings, and we each get to really fly with trying to create character studies and things of that nature. So the second episode is my biggest role in uh, the three out of the three episodes, and um, it's got a little twist in there. Every episode has a twist. The third episode, I get to play a social media blogger and kind of eccentric character, and it's a little bit more comedic as well. So I really like the third episode. Um, The second and third episodes are really, they were fun for me. Um, Domestic Seduction is another one that the same director made, and she's a friend of mine, so I really like to help her in her proof of concept, uh, things that she posts. So um, that was, I really got to play, I got to go a little more into the genre of horror in that one, but uh, I ain't saying words, so you got to check that one out too. But well, those it's... are all proof of concepts. They're independent films. They're uh, more on the low budget side, so that they can just get in front of the eyes they need to get in front of. Hey, that's so, um, that's, that's my kind of people
1: right there. So, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah, we all came
0: together yeah. and created a thing, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally excited. Um, I love watching stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. um, do you know the Do you know the film school down here in Orlando? Full Sail.
0: You know, I've spent quite a bit of time in Orlando because my Kung, my Kung Fu Temple is on Goldenrod.
1: Oh my gosh, that's like thirty minutes from me. Um, there I, you I go. To, yeah, no, I, I right down there in, in Winter Park. You know, it's right down there. Yeah. Um,
0: right on. Yeah, yeah was, the uh, uh, Wallum Kung Fu Temple.
1: Yeah, very small world. Very small world. It is. It really so, is. But yeah, I worked at Full Sail for about four years as a you said something earlier and that's that's why I'm circling back to this is um, I worked there as a career advisor uh, because I worked when film was blown up in uh, the orlando and and south Florida area back in the early 2000s like i worked
0: on, yes I remember that
1: yeah i worked on Punisher i worked on too fast too furious um, i mean I was a production assistant but You know, like when you're talking about just getting in and getting to know what it's like to work on a set and all that stuff, people don't understand. You know, it's like a lot of times it's not that you have the knowledge that you know that you can do it. It's you need to be able to do it to the level that these guys that have been doing it 30 years have been doing it and you need to be on their level. And the only way that you're going to do it is you need to start here and work your way. And so when you said that, I was like, hallelujah. I, <laughs> I got criticized so bad from the students I was advising because they would walk in with four student films on their resume, which is great that they had those. I mean, because without that, They weren't going anywhere. But they would walk in with these four credits. They're like, Yeah, as soon as I graduate, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna be Spielberg. And I'm like, All right, that's not how that works. You know (laughs) We need to talk. (laughs) A for
0: uh, effort, A for ambition.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, Um, yay for you.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. It's like, and that is amazing when you're in school and you have that security blanket. But what's gonna happen six months after you graduate? And those huge student loans start hitting you and you have not become Spielberg and you're trying to complete that internship that you should have completed the last three months of school. And what's going to happen when you should have went out and worked on every little independent film that you could have to get experience so that when you are applying for these jobs and applying for this, this role, you know, that you you stand a much better chance because you actually have something besides school credit on your resume and people couldn't wrap their heads around that and it's like i i i'm not being rude but you're but you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna walk into a very rude awakening you know in about six months i didn't say that that's what i was thinking uh but yeah, it's you hit the nail right on the head and it just brought that right back to me. And I was like, man, I've I've got to talk about this because you and I share a lot of that vision in common. And to, too many people don't know that. And it was great to hear that you said that.
0: Well, that's so cool. I think a lot of people, you know, like a few people have messaged me on Facebook and they're like, I really want to get in, you know, this, that and the other. And one of the guys just wanted to be an extra on Halloween kill. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I just want to be in one of these films coming up. And I said, okay. And he goes, do you have any advice? I said, okay. Go on a Facebook search and search out, you know, Wilmington and Extras Casting. And then apply and see what happens. And he wound up being a cop extra on, um, on Halloween Kills. That's awesome. I know. I was so happy for him. And I don't even know this guy. But he messaged me on Facebook and, and, you know, he just asked about that kind of stuff. And I don't have much time. You know, my people get all these things to me. And, and you know, like I'll do people want me to sign some stuff. And and but then my my people have to get me to stuff that I'm going to have to sign in order to know that I've even gotten it yet. So sometimes it'll take a while for me to get the stuff. And then, you know, but if I have time, I will go through my Facebook. I promise you guys know this. I will go through my Facebook and I will interface with as many people as I have time to.
1: Yeah. And, 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 and here's the funny thing. I was honestly, I was just being a smart ass on your, on your wall one day. And look, here we are a few weeks later having a conversation. So (laughs) proof's in the pudding for sure. Very much so. So let's talk about Halloween. Um, you you kind of talked about how to kind of get into the business, get into what uh, being an extra, you walk through that. So that kind of kills that question for me, which is great. Um, but let's talk about how did you apply for this specific role? Was there anything that they were putting out there that they were looking for? And ultimately, did, what did you have to do to audition for it?
0: Well, as a stunt person, or as an actor, or as anything in Screen Actors Guild, Mm -hmm. you submit for things. You email your resume, your reels, headshots, everything. You send it to projects that you're interested in, um, trying for, and you basically cast your nets. You know, you throw your nets out there, and hopefully you'll catch something. Right. And especially in stunts, well, in anything, a lot of it is the networking, as we talked about previously. And you you shake a lot of hands and you kiss a lot of babies. You know, that's what I call it. Shaking hands and kissing babies. That's right. So, you know, you go, you try to find... You know, the stunt coordinators, you shake their hand. You talk to them for a few minutes while you hand off your resume so that they know you're not a douchebag to work with on set. You know, I mean, it, that's the thing. Don't be a douche. Don't think that you're, you know, you, you got to stay humble. You've got to stay hardworking. You've got to be interested in learning. And you've got to always be keeping, you know, you've always got to be learning something so that you can enhance your skill set so that you can offer more. So I just in general, send off for things and, and email for things and send my resume off for things. And I got a. Uh, I was driving back from Atlanta and I was going through the dead zone, which is between Chattanooga, like almost to Knoxville again, because I split my time in between Tennessee and Atlanta. I spent a lot of time in both places. And, um, when I was in the dead zone, right before I go over the top of the hill I get a phone call. I'm like, oh, cool. What's this area code? Okay, that's weird. So I answer the phone. And he's like, hey, this is uh, Ron Hutchison. And uh, I didn't know if you had these dates available, if you wanted to uh, come and do some stunts for us. So I was like, uh, yeah. But the, uh, yeah, was right as we were going into the dead zone. And the phone died. The, the, no coverage, no bars, no <laughs> cell service, no nothing. <laughs> I thought I was going to have kittens. I swear to God.
1: <laughs> You're like, I just, I like, this, this, this person thinks I just hung up on them.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. A legendary stunt coordinator. He's been in the business 40 years and Holy crap. Now I'm no longer there. So I, as soon as I got out of the dead zone, I tried calling, him, you know, he, I tried calling him back. I'm like, hello, sir. I am so sorry. My phone dropped your call, blah, 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 blah. blah. And he's like, yeah, no problem. Are you available for these dates? It's like, yes. Always, even if, I mean, are you kidding me? Of course, but I still didn't know what it was for. You know, you just hear from a coordinator. They ask if you're available and um, you check your dates and you say if you have availability or whatever. So yeah, sure, I'm available. Okay, well, it's in Charleston. Okay, no problem. And we've got this day for rehearsals. Are you going to be able to come down and and do the rehearsal? Yeah, no problem, no problem. Okay. So uh, they send me the... They send me this call sheet for rehearsals, and I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. And um, just basically, the wardrobe person gave me a call to get my sizes and all that stuff. I'm like, okay, it's pretty cool. Okay, this is gonna be neat. I'm, whatever it is, okay. So I um, got the email from the wardrobe person before I got the call sheet. Because usually, the call sheet you find out what film you're working, which film it is for, and all that stuff, and it's got all the details on it about where to meet, Where's the camp, where are they put you up in a hotel, all this stuff. You know, where you're supposed to be lodging, phone numbers of all the important people, and all of this. So I've got the wardrobe lady stuff asking for all of my sizes and my this and my that. Can you come in for a fitting? Bah, blah blah. And at the bottom of that email, with the word. With the font. Thank you very much.
1: Halloween! I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? So you had, so, you had no idea until that, that that it was Halloween? No.
0: No. Holy cow. Actually, to be perfectly honest with you, when I, sent, when I showed up for rehearsal, that was the rehearsal day. I didn't even need to do any sizing or anything like that. So I showed up for the rehearsal. We are downtown in the Gaslight District in Charleston. Nothing is made up. The streets aren't made up. There's no, there's, there's no, there's absolutely no de- set deck. There's nothing. So it's set decoration. Sorry. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely nothing to tell you what the film is. So wow. I meet up with, um, yeah. So I'm sitting on a porch and here comes Mrs. Uh, a legend as well. I thought I was going to die when I found out I was going to get to work with Marion green. I was like, Oh my gosh. So I still didn't know what it was for.
1: Yeah. You're like, well, this is cool. I'm going to play something with this person and this is awesome, but
0: yeah. Yes. I just thought, Oh my gosh, what do we get to do together? Oh my gosh. So super awesome. And then we're sitting on the porch and we're just waiting for a rehearsal start. And then Ron Hutchison comes up, and yay, awesome, and, and, and Marion Green has known him for 30 years, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm working with Freaking Legends. Are you kidding me? I'm beside myself. Here I am. There I am. I am beside myself. This is his thing. So across the street comes David Gordon Green, and I'm like, hi, and I thought, this is going to be pretty cool. He's with, uh, you know, he does. Pretty cool stuff. One thing I heard of him doing was Pineapple Express, though, and I was like, "Is this a comedy? Okay, I'm, I'm, it's well, this fun. Maybe it's some kind of slapstick fall down comedy something." And you know, David Green, maybe David, David Gordon Green comes across the street, and he starts fanboying over Marion Green because she killed Mister Orange in mm-hmm. Redwood Dogs. And I was like, "Wait a minute, this is awesome. I am witnessing this for real." Oh, my gosh. And um, I still, I, I didn't know what was going on. We go into the house where I die, and this older gentleman comes up to me, and he's like, we're going to be working together. I'm like, okay, um, cool, awesome, okay. And then they show us all the movements and stuff that we're going to do, and there's a, different, there's a different version of my death, just so you know.
1: I'm definitely going to ask it? about that. Uh, but when, <laughs> once you show but up, in, I in, finish, the story. I finish uh, the story. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So,
0: go ahead. Finish the story. So, so um, we're going through choreography, and one of the uh, and and David Gordon Green says, "Yeah, but that's a little bit too Jason." And I was like, "Wait, Jason? Oh my God, we're in horror genre." Okay, who else is in the horror shop? Okay, okay, who are the big, who are the, okay, you got Jason, you got, you got Freddy, and then you, no way. Oh, this has got to be, oh my God, this has got to be. You know, that's when I started putting it together, and then it all came to a clincher when the word released, the I mean, Lost in So at that point, then I, it was solidified in stone. I get to die with Michael Myers' knife. Holy crap, it's really, for real? Really? And I get to say stuff. I mean, how cool is this?
1: That is great. Yeah, no, it was um, – it was definitely a little homage to to Halloween too. when um, – Yes. Yeah, it was a total homage. Hi, Sally. How yeah. are you? <laughs> yeah, no, it was um, – I remember watching that and I was like th- – the only thing I I think I would have done different, and everybody would have, is armchair quarterbacking, but that's that's what we do. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, this is what exactly. I would have done. But I I really wish there would have been a little bit more suspense. The kill was cool, loved it. Yeah. I just wish yeah. there would have been a little bit more of a – like the cat and mouse, and kept you on screen a little bit more, milked it a little bit more, and that they would have had him pop out of nowhere and then do the do the stab to the throat. That's yeah, there opinion.
0: was actually an interaction with the kids, the really? Halloween kids that were knocking at my door, and there was a whole exchange with me and the Halloween kids, and then shutting down my house after taking care of the last group of Halloween kids and talking to Sally, and um, then you know it was it was it was a bit longer before, uh, but you know it, it's it's all about bringing that. The shape. No motive. He's a force of nature, you know? I mean, it, it's all about the random. It's all about that kind of thing that they wanted to impress in that. And also, another thing is that people wish they hadn't watched the trailer.
1: Yep. We, we've we talked about it on this show ad nauseum. Um, yep, that yep. I'm like, why on earth would they give away the closet scene in the trailer? That was like the scariest part of the movie. Why would you do that? And then like, you know, when they showed you in the trailer, it's like, well, now we know she's going to die. You know, it's like, Yep. stop. So and and it's not just Halloween. There's there's a lot of movies out there nowadays. that Yeah, I know. I know you
0: want to put butts in seats. You know, yes. I know you want to put butts in seats, but don't give it away.
1: Yeah, make them pay for it. You don't give it away for free. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah, and and really, honestly, I think that's why people who didn't see it in theaters and didn't see the trailer, who get to enjoy it on streaming or something like that, that maybe haven't seen the trailer, I bet they have a totally different experience.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. I. I really believe this, that I, I'm going to try it. It's, it's really hard because everybody I interact with and what I do and all that, I know I'm going to see it, but I'm going to try as long as I can to stay away from the trailer for the new one, just yes. so that I can build a little bit more anticipation. I've already told my friends like, Hey, if you hear something, any spoilers, please don't tell me. Yeah. No, no spoilers. I, I don't want to know. And, Mm-mm. um, so it's just, you know, yeah, I totally agree with you. And there's just, there's too much given away in trailers nowadays. I just, I really wish we could go kind of back to the old days of, of trailers, what the purpose of it was. It's to entice that excitement, to draw you in, to pay money, to see it. Yeah. Uh, but again, $250 million that they made at the box of What the hell do I know?
0: <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, I think that what this, first Halloween of the three has done was to reintroduce to a new generation something a little bit more approachable, something a little bit more like, uh, you know, okay, it's not going to absolutely be tons of blood and gore and crazy, but it is going to introduce what the original shape did the you know, the it that is the shape. That is what they were trying to introduce with a nod to the fans. This first one was a love letter to the fans, even because they weren't using any of the, they weren't paying attention to any sequels. Right. So it was, here you go. We know, we see you, we respect, you love the franchise. So we're going to give you a little taste here, a little taste there, and we're going to make it so that it's not unapproachable for anybody that might become a Halloween fan. And then this second one and the third one are going to knock your socks off.
1: Well, definitely, definitely hoping for that. Uh, for sure. Um, how long were you on set for?
0: We had, uh, days of rehearsal and then we had days of filming. Now we wound up doing the set, the scene in question. Uh, you know, we probably rehearsed it about, uh, we probably rehearsed it eight, nine times, just running everybody's comings and goings, you know, because everything on that street happened at a certain time. Mm-hmm. If it did not happen at a certain time, start over because it's all one take.
1: It It is. And that, I got to say, that was impressive because I remember watching Four Rooms way back in the day and Quentin Tarantino, and it was in that one room with Tim Roth and it was a 15 minute one take one camera one tracking movement scene and it's like holy hell what if somebody flubbed they had to start over so watching that sequence and it all play out from the moment he hits the street and goes all the way through all these houses i was i was impressed by that i was like that that's fantastic you know and no pressure or anything (laughs) you know
0: so yeah well that's the thing and with these poor kids dressed in these halloween costumes and they're just playing they don't know that there's a lot riding on this they don't know they're burning money every time they laugh or fall over or do whatever i mean they don't they don't realize that that this is what's happening so we turn on you know everybody gets in their place and then we turn on the hurricane fans so that the leaves will blow and then we have people you know you go okay now on this count, you go. Now you walk. Now you do this. Now you do that. Now his shadow has to be here when it's time for this person to walk across. And then it has to go on the wall. You know, the shadow has to be on the wall. Cameraman, get out of the way so that you don't get in the shot. Don't worry. You know, the sound guys have to be with the, ma- with the microphones and all of this stuff following along, hidden, like little ninjas so nobody's seen. And I mean, it was just such an orchestration. And on the night that we actually filmed it, we wound up doing, uh, you know, we wound up doing it about 14 times to try to get it right. Right. And there were certain things that they wanted to try, and then they wanted to try it a different way. And so there were different versions of things done. And um, when they did the, you know, they, they did this tube that was attached to, my, to a hose that went out through my pant leg, And so as I went up to the window, I had to stretch my leg out and offer the pant leg so that they could hook up the blood hose. And it was primed beforehand. You know, they had a little reet, reet, reet. You got the pump, you know. And um, they had to do all of that while we went. There were no edits. So it's like, get on the couch, offer the leg, hose to the leg, make sure it's sealed, make sure it's primed. Okay. And there was already blood in the hose that led up to my neck. And, you know, you had to make sure that nothing was dripping, nothing was going anywhere. There was no leaks, there was no nothing, so that when we actually did the gag with the slam, the pickup, the stab, the pull back, the slam, then it would go without a hitch because I didn't want to be the one burning money.
1: Sure. No. And that's the one thing, too, that when I watched that and I saw the stab, um, I was like, Oh shit. And that, that looked, that looked pretty grotesque. I mean, was there a prosthetic on your neck that, that kind of exploded or or was that CG? I mean, what was that?
0: I, yeah, I had a, I had a silicone prosthetic all the way from under my chin Mm -hmm. down to my shoulders and joining into my chest.
1: Oh wow. Okay.
0: And there was a bladder that was attached by a hose Um, and the bladder went along my collarbone and up to my neck and they perforated the bladder and then they perforated the silicone so that it would, you know, spew appropriately. And so, you know, I was in the makeup chair probably three hours or so, three and a half hours maybe because they have to paint you. They have to paint the silicone and they have to make it match your skin tone and all that stuff.
1: Um, I actually, it, it's funny. Uh, uh, Daniel Farren's, who wrote part part six, uh, is he and Malik Akkad go way back, and they, and Daniel and I have become friends over the last eight nine years, and he's always been a very big supporter, trying to get me involved somehow, and he's like, when Marcus Dunstan was going to do the two, like was going to direct what eventually become the. 2018 film he was going to do a version of it in 2015 that was going to pick up right after halloween 2 and obviously that didn't happen but um he got malik and i in contact trying to get me involved with that production and i i remember sculpting something to uh to resemble the like the original two masks and i had that 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 piece that sculpt for Two years, and then when this was starting to go like get really ramped up and ready to go, Dan's like, Malik wants you to submit something, and if you're still around, so I was like, well, I still got it in clay. I have to mold it, you know. And so I started like just going crazy, and they're like, he's like, yeah, they're gonna do a direct sequel from the first one, so you got to get him something, and I did. And, um, he had it and I, I guess they, I, I never knew they were going to fast forward it 40 years. I had no idea. Um, I remember if you remember the, you've probably seen them if you didn't early on the promo pictures with Jamie Lee Curtis laying in the yeah. leaves. That's my mask.
0: Oh, good for you. That's so awesome.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's cool that I, that I got that far and i remember when i submitted the 78 mask uh recreation uh malik loved it carpenter loved it and then uh that's when christopher nelson got involved and he was going to age it you know and at that point i knew i was out of the running i was like oh damn you know that would have been cool but had I known that they were going to do an age version, I would have submitted that obviously. So
0: yeah, Christopher Nelson did help do my makeup. He was in the makeup trailer and we were talking and he's a great, and I was looking over while I was getting my makeup done. And, and there were the masks Mm -hmm. just right there when I was getting my makeup done. I was like, they're right there. Yeah. They're like right there.
1: He's, I, I mean, believe me, I, that's the one thing that I thought, I wasn't going to enjoy with seeing another rotted version, like a la Rob Zombie version. And yeah. I gotta say, I really dug it, and I was I, I was really thinking I was not going to like it at all when I saw it. But when I sat down and watched it in the theater, I'm like, holy hell, this looks especially in the lighting and everything, the way they the way they filmed it looks great. You know.
0: Well, that's what they say. They say you can have the most accurate mask that there is. But what you do with it, the lighting, and everything that you do with the environment and all of that, it all contributes.
1: Absolutely. Lighting is everything. And if you know how to photograph it and use that light to your advantage, you can recreate and make something look masterful. If you can't, you're going to have a problem. (laughs) So. Um, so yeah, you were you were on the set for a few days. Uh, was there was there any sort of wrap party that you guys get together afterwards? Um,
0: I gotta so- tell you, there. This was such an exaggerated film schedule. This was such an accelerated film schedule. Five weeks total, mm-hmm. and it went like lightning. They went straight into post production. They went straight into editing. They went straight into getting this thing done because we filmed this thing in January. It came out in October.
1: Yep. Yeah. It was and I mean, that's fast. no time. Which I was actually I was happy about that they filmed in in a colder climate in in south in South Carolina and Charleston during that time of mm-hmm. the year, and that they actually it it actually looked like fall and it didn't didn't look like spring or summer and you know, they're hiding palm trees out in Pasadena, <laughs> California. You know, and, and having
0: and, garbage bags full of leaves. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Uh-huh. So I yeah. was really, really happy to, to see that. And visually it's a it's a beautiful looking film, you know, so um I'm all about mood and tone and from that perspective I I think they got an A plus from from me on that.
0: Yeah, it was it was definitely a very cold night. And the house that I was in and I believe Marion's house, the other Marion, Marion Green's house, they did not want to run up the homeowners bills. So there was no heat Ooh. turned on. And we were so cold and the kids were so cold because they were in their Halloween costumes, but there were hurricane fans blowing.
1: Of course, making it, making it uh, feel that much colder.
0: Yeah. Making the le- making the leaves move down the street and all that stuff. So you know, you get to the point where it's just – the temperature it was outside was the temperature it was inside for our houses. And, I mean, it just it just brings it all home that this is – you know, we're on a mission, and everybody sucked it up, and we just made it happen.
1: Right. So one more question here. Um, you had mentioned an alternate death. So tell us about that.
0: I can't tell you about that. Um <laughs> It was actually the death wound up the same, but getting to the death was different. Ah, uh. yeah, just a little bit more struggle, a little more fight, a little bit more, you know, throwing people around and stuff. But, um, but yeah, there's just it was it was approached, and that's when they said, "Ah, you know, that's a little too Jason. It's not a you know." But they didn't, they never said Michael, and and that was when I put two and two together. But uh, as we were doing the choreo, you know, they were like, well, and and there was thought of sending me through the window um, instead of just in behind the window and things like that. But uh, as far as the other version of it, it just kind of, you know, it, it was, it was counter to what the shape would do. So they decided to go the way that they did in the film.
1: Right on. Um, When James Jude Courtney, because you said that there was a gentleman that walked up to you and said, said, yeah, I got to
0: spend the night with, with Michael Myers.
1: Yeah. I'm going to be working with you today. Were you looking around for Ron Jeremy?
0: (laughs) Honestly, James Jude Courtney is so cerebral and he's (laughs) so intelligent and he's so classically trained. You know, I didn't even know what was coming. I had no idea. So, uh, you know, and, and at the end of each take, you know, they'd take the mask off of him and, and we'd be talking and he had that prosthetic under the mask, the eyes, eye, yes. he had that under the mask the whole time. So, you know, it was, it was really, a, a a joy to work with him. Um, but you know, the next day I had the sink filled with hair because of that's my bun. He grabbed, that's my hair. And, um, I, I I had tons of my hair coming out the next day, but this is what you do: you take the hit, you do the stunt, and hopefully, you know, pain is temporary, film is forever.
1: That I couldn't have said it better better myself. Um, one last question, and then uh, we'll we'll let you get on with your night. I appreciate your time again. Um, do you have any conventions planned? I, I if I'm if I'm recalling, you did Mad Mad Monster Party, didn't you?
0: I did. Um, what was it? I did uh, CreepyCon.
1: CreepyCon. Okay. All
0: right. Yeah, I did con, But I am open to any convention that they want to invite me to. I am willing to go. It's it's just getting all the logistics together and and you know getting them to get me up there and all that stuff. But I am willing to do any conventions that they're willing to invite me to, and I am all about it because I want to meet all you guys. I you know Facebook is cool. But there's nothing like meeting somebody face-to-face. And, and that way, you know, everybody's got questions. Everybody's got stuff they want to know. Absolutely. And uh,
1: that's that's why we do this. And, Marion, I definitely appreciate your time. Is there anything else that you would like to uh, add to this? or?
0: Well, um, that is – I think that just to say that – the Halloween franchise fans are some of the best fans of the world. I mean, they're a community of people that get together around a common goal of just just appreciating horror genre for what it is, is one thing. But the Halloween fans, oh, they get into specifics. And they know, you know every little jot and tittle about anything in the Halloween franchise. And I just want to say thank you to all the Halloween fans out there that appreciate washing me die. I know that sounds weird. Um and I I just I just can't thank you guys enough because you know without the fans who are we?